If you want to turn your Bibles to the book of Titus, we are right smack in the middle of this study of Titus as we continue in our series called We Are the Church. This morning I want to look at just a few verses as you've studied that passage this morning in your Bible study hour. I trust you had a great study. We had a great study with our Connect, our first ever Connects class. We had eight there. Hopefully they learned something and didn't fall asleep. We had donuts, so hopefully that kept you awake and coffee. It was a great time as we learned more about our church. But as the church, how are we to live? And if you look in your order of worship, uh, there's an outline for you to follow. If you're on version, you can follow that outline on the events page there. Uh, but in your worship folder... There's a Bible verse, and every week we try to publish the memory verse for the week. I'm sure you guys just cannot wait to see what that is and memorize that as quick as you can uh, on Sunday mornings. But this week's Bible verse is kind of a little different, makes you question a little bit. Look at Titus chapter 2, verse 13. It says in your worship folder, While we wait for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Very short, kind of leaves you wondering what was before the waiting and what comes after Christ. But essentially, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, we are in a position of waiting, are we not? And some of us are waiting with anticipation for Jesus to come back or for Him to call us home. Some of us are not ready for that day to come quite yet. But we are all in a position to where we are, in some respect, waiting for Jesus, for Him to appear and to reign as King of kings. So as a Christian, what are we to do while we wait? That's the question I want to answer this morning. Now, the last few weeks, we've answered a few questions that built on each other. And we want to affirm that this morning as we continue in our study. Remember, we, two weeks ago, we talked about what is right or what are my rights. And we uh, identified the fact that Scripture is the one true thing that is right. And God is the one that is righteous. Last week, we asked what is trustworthy. And are we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, trustworthy? As we read Scripture and we let Scripture indwell in our hearts and impact our lives... Do we represent in our communities what is trustworthy? And I want to build on that this morning and, and answer the question, what do we do while we wait on Jesus to return? To this morning. Uh, so let's pray, and then we will jump into Titus chapter 2 and affirm what you uh, studied in your Bible study hour. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the day you've given us. Father, I thank you for the opportunity we have to gather and read your word. I pray that as we, as we spend a few moments reflecting on scripture and seeking to apply it to our lives, Father, that you would fill our hearts. Father, that you would give us a word. Give us what we so desperately need in our lives and equip us for the skills, the abilities that we will use this week to make an impact in our community. I pray that no one in this room will leave this room the way they came in, but they will leave changed. So, Father, move in our midst as we open your word. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So look at Titus chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 1. We're going to look at verse 1, just kind of give you a roadmap for where we're going today. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. 
And then we're going to jump all the way to verse 11, 11 through 14 together. So let's look at verse 1 uh, with me. But as for you, Paul is speaking to Titus, and he's instructing him, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Remember that Titus is there on the island of Crete to raise up a new generation of leadership, to make an impact on that culture. And Paul is affirming Titus, telling him to teach what accords with sound doctrine. And then verses 2 through 10, we have an explanation of that. And it's kind of familiar to us as we've studied First and Second Timothy. We see the role of men and women in the church. And we even get into that topic of slavery. We're not going to go deep into that today because we've already discussed it. But notice this, though. Notice this, that in verses 2 through 10, Paul here establishes clear roles in community. There is a role for everyone in the community of faith. In the body of Christ, in the church, there is a role for every person, every man, woman, and child. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. God has a role. God has a plan for you to play. In essence, we might think, in my heart, I've done things to disqualify myself from service. But in reality, that's not true. The truth of Scripture is, as Paul affirms in Titus in the church, that it does not matter who you are, you are called to make a difference. It does not matter who you are, you are called to make a difference. Look in verses uh, 2 through 10, just very quickly, older men, Paul is saying. Older women, Paul is saying. Younger men, Paul is saying. Younger women, Paul is saying. It doesn't matter who you are. See, some of us in church life think, well, I am, I'm an older man or an older woman. I've done my service. I've punched my clock. Now it's time for me to ride off into the sunset. That is not true, according to Scripture. Some of you might be saying, you know what? I am too young to get involved in the life of the church. I'm a younger man or a younger woman. I'm a youth. I'm a child. I'm just not quite ready to serve or be a part of the life of the church. Paul is saying that is not true. There is a role for everyone to play in the life of the church. Uh, older men, our role, your role is to make an impact on the next generation. Older women, your role is to make an impact on the next generation. Younger people, younger men and women, our goal is to glean as much as we can, learn as much as we can, From our elders, so we can make an impact on the next generation. It doesn't matter who you are, God has called you to make a difference in the life of the church and in our community. Paul here in these verses, these first ten verses of chapter two, he marries doctrine with practice. We are called to live with integrity in community to impact our culture. Our call as a Christian is we wait on Jesus to come back is to live with integrity, live our lives with integrity within our community in order to impact our culture. That's what Christ has called us to do. Let me ask you in another way. Is culture impacting your lifestyle? Some of us, we would answer that question in the affirmative. Does culture dictate the way you live? Some of us, we watch TV we flip through magazines, we see advertisements, we window shop, 
and we find ourselves being impacted by culture, by our purchasing habits, our eating habits, are dictated by culture. Is culture dictating your lifestyle? It should not, but does it? A lot of us could say yes. Well, let's flip the question around. Because the, the Christian, rather, allows our lifestyle to dictate the culture. You see, it's one or the other. Is culture uh, impacting your lifestyle, or is your lifestyle impacting culture? As a Christian, our call is to live our life in a way with integrity within our community so that our lifestyle is the one that makes an impact on our culture instead of the culture around us impacting our own lifestyle. I'll ask you another way. If someone would look at the way you live and what you do, would they identify you as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus? Or would they just say, oh, that's just another person? It's hard. Some of us are embarrassed about that because we think there's no way I could live up to the calling that God has called us to. We understand the fact that we're all sinners and we all make mistakes. But the goal of each of our lives should be to live our lives in a way with integrity so that our culture is impacted by our lifestyle. Our church, our culture, in reality, if we look at our culture, it's desperate to see people step out of the norm and to make an impact for the greater good. Do we not? We praise people who, who break the mold and step out of the norm and do something different to make an impact on the culture. And a lot of times that's not in a positive way, but they're praised for them for, for stepping out and being bold and being different. Our culture is so desperate for that. So Christian, why are we not taking advantage of the opportunity? Why do we not take advantage of that opportunity to say, you know what, let's be different and let's live different and let's make an impact on our world. Why are we not leading the way in this effort of breaking the norm and showing people the way to live and how to live for Christ? That's exactly what Paul is calling Titus to do in this short book on the island of Crete. You see here as we read and as we study the, the work of Paul all through the New Testament, Paul identified a few theological perspectives within culture. And those perspectives have not changed throughout time. I know our time is different than their time, and the reason that Paul was writing to Titus on the island of Crete had specific reasons that are different than us. But there are some things that never change. And there are a few theological perspectives that we pick up from Paul that are true today. And general perspectives that we find in our culture, you believe one of three things, okay? You can write these down in your guide or not. You can just listen, or you, if you're sleeping, have a good sleep. We pray you have good dreams. Three primary perspectives. You either believe in universalism, or some would call this pluralism. That means that all roads lead to God. Everyone is eventually going to make it to heaven, okay? So it doesn't matter what you do or what you believe, eventually your path or your road is going to lead back to God. So you live life the way you want to live. Universalism, number one. Primary, basic theological perspective. Or you believe this. You believe in inclusivism. You acknowledge that Jesus 
is the Savior or a Savior. But salvation also comes through other ways. So you believe in inclusivism, so you identify Christ as a way to God or a way to heaven. But you also identify things like general revelation. I can live life in creation, and I can worship creation, and that can lead me back to God. Or I can follow other world religions, and that would just lump every religion together in one. It doesn't matter which religion you pick to follow, it's going to lead back to God. And so let's just put them all together. Let's include everyone. Okay, universalism, everyone's going to go. Inclusivism, it kind of narrows the focus a little, saying, just believe in a religion, that's it. Or just believe in creation, that's it, and you'll go to heaven. Okay, then number three. Number three, exclusivism. Primary basic theological principle. Now, exclusivism is the belief that Jesus is the only way. The only way to God, the only way to heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ. So three basic belief systems, and you probably fall into one of these three camps. You believe, and this dictates your lifestyle. Everyone's going to heaven, doesn't matter what you do. Or just believe in something and you'll be okay. Or Jesus is the only way. Three basic theological perspectives. Hasn't changed through the centuries. It was the same with Crete, and it's the same today. So the question really is, sitting in your chair, what do you believe? But, and, and I don't want you to just shout an answer because you're in church, and we know the right answer, right? We know what to say, because you go to Sunday school, and you know the answer is Jesus, right? But what do you really believe? Like, what dictates your lifestyle? The decisions that you make, the actions that you take every day, are you living out this belief? What do you believe? This is what we believe, okay? So, so let's see if, if your doctrine fits our doctrine as a church, and our practice fits your practice. Okay, so look, let's look at verses 11 through 14 in Titus chapter 2. Here's what we believe. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. See, we can take that and we can twist it, can't we? Because that fits in universalism, doesn't it? Salvation for who? Everyone. Let's keep reading, though. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's Jesus. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Here's what we believe as a church. We believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father. Salvation comes through faith in Jesus alone. We believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. We believe that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. We believe that he is the only way to salvation. Jesus is the only way. There is no making it to heaven through world religions or general revelation or faith in creation. It is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. 
You have to trust and you have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he did what he said he did, that he died and rose again for your sins. And we know the difference between Jesus and anyone else in the world. Jesus did what he said, and he's the only one to rise from the dead. Hey, that rhymed. Jesus is the one way to salvation. What is salvation? We believe that salvation is the free gift of God's grace apart from human works. There's absolutely nothing you can do to earn salvation. There's no amount of work you can do or effort you can do, no amount of good deeds that you can accomplish in this world to earn your ticket to heaven. It is a free gift of God's grace. We believe it is based completely on the atoning death of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus died for your sin and accomplished through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit and is engaged through faith in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not believing in Muhammad or Buddha. It's not believing in the grass growing or the leaves on the trees. It's believing in Christ as the Savior of the world. That's the faith that Paul was instructing Titus to share. That's the faith that Scripture teaches us. As Southern Baptists, that's the faith that we affirm and we believe in. That's the faith that Paul is calling all of us into. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for everyone. We, everyone has an opportunity to experience life and truth and hope through Jesus Christ. And it trains us to renounce all ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. You see, this teaching that we believe in, this Bible that we study, trains us to live upright lives. It trains us in how to act and what to believe and how to, how to interact with the world around us. It teaches us to live self-controlled lives. It teaches us to shun godly, ungodly passions, worldly passions, and all ungodliness. You know we all have cravings and desires, do we not? Whether it's, you know, my, my um, guilty pleasure. You want to let me share that? Some of you, you can wake up now and hear this. Not often the pastor will share this with you. Every night before I go to bed, there's one thing I like to do. And that's eat two scoops of ice cream. It's just my thing. Generally, uh, cookies and cream is my... And sometimes it's three, just depending on the day. <laughs> but we all, have those, we all have those things in our life, don't we? Is that healthy for me? I don't know. Maybe. some. I could probably find an article that says yes, and I could probably find an article that says no. But we all have stuff in our life that we think uh, the world is just pulling us toward, don't we? We all have temptations that we deal with, struggles that we have. We have those voices in our head. Paul is telling Titus here, there are these issues. And as we draw closer to Christ, Scripture and Jesus, that Holy Spirit working in us, teaches us how to let go of those worldly passions and follow Christ. To not let the culture around us dictate the way we live, 
but instead let our lifestyle dictate the culture around us. It's incredible. It's incredible. Our call, well, let me, let me share one more story with you. Because sometimes we can put on a mask and we can pretend to live the life, but then people like realize who you are and it reveals something different. Uh, this week, um, one day, I was wearing a, a bright blue shirt and I went to Academy. Any of y'all been to Academy Sports? Don't ever go there wearing a bright blue shirt. Let me just tell you that. Do you know why? Because everybody that works there wears a bright blue shirt. So I was there, I was probably there 10, 15 minutes. But while I was there, I was approached three different times by people that were shopping in the store. And the first time I was a little confused. This man approached me and was asking where he could find a certain item. And I, I just said, I'm sorry, I don't work here. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, I thought you did from your shirt. And so I'm like, thought nothing of it. Then the second person approached me and asked me where to find an item in the store. And this time I thought, well, I get it. I shouldn't have come here today wearing this. So I, I instructed him where to find the item. And then I said if he would tell, give them my name at the register that I would get credit for the uh, purchase. And he laughed. And then the third person walks up to me. And this lady tapped me on the, I was looking at something on the rack, and she tapped me on the shoulder, and she handed me an item of clothing. And she said, I don't know how to hang these back up. Would you take them and hang them for me? And I'm looking at her like, and so I said, sure, I'll take it. And so I took the item and went and found somebody that worked there. And that, you know, I was kind of annoyed. It was kind of funny by the time I left. But as I live the rest of the week with you guys, and I experience life with you guys, I learned something. Because we've spent a lot of time together this week. And I've learned there are times in our lives where we put on the mask and we think we're living the Christian life. But instead of our lifestyle impacting our culture, we're allowing the culture to impact us. And it dictates the way we live. You see, I didn't work at Academy. They didn't give me a paycheck. But just because of what I was wearing, I found myself in that store acting like an employee. When you walk out these doors, what kind of an impact are you making on the world? Are you allowing those that come against you or come to you to impact your life and the way you live? Guys, I know, you know, that when you walk out in the world and you experience life and all the struggles and problems that life has, it's hard to make an impact. You have to resolve in your mind to live the right way. And I know it's daily. It's a hard challenge to do. But our calling is great. And the impact is incredible that we can make. If together that we choose to live in community, remember what Paul said, older men, younger men, older women, younger men, women, we all have a role to play in the body of Christ, to live in community, to make an impact on community. Our call as the church is to connect our doctrine with our practice and to live in community to make an impact on our culture. That's what we're here to do. So we gather every week to study the Word of God, to grow closer to Jesus, to allow Jesus to impact our hearts so that when we walk outside, Jesus flowing through us makes an impact on the world. That's what we do here. 
That's why we gather. That's why we celebrate. That's why we live life together. That's why we share life with each other. It's incredible. So my question for you this morning is, will you take up the challenge? Will you take up the challenge to, through your lifestyle, to make an impact on our culture? Will you accept the call to live in community in the body of Christ? We've studied all summer what it means to be a member of the body of Christ, that together we are the church. So together, as we live in community, will you accept the call to be a part of this church, to invest in Jesus, and to allow Jesus to flow through you to make a positive impact on our world? It is time for us to do something about it. It's time for us to stop letting our culture make an impact on our lives. Let's turn the tables, guys. And let's let Jesus, through us, make an impact on our culture. Together we can do that. And together we will. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that as we as we gather for study and as we scatter for service, Father, that you would prepare us for that good work that's ahead. And Father, I know there's a lot of things on our mind in this room. We, got, we have personal struggles that we're dealing with in our lives. We're struggling paycheck to paycheck, day to day trying to put food on the table, and just survive. Father, I pray that you help us to look up and lock eyes with you and lean into your grace and goodness. And Father, whatever we're dealing with in our lives right now, I pray that we just have an opportunity now to listen to your word. And Father, prepare our hearts and our lives to go outside of these doors and make an impact on our culture that we would understand the incredible opportunity we have together to live life in community and that we would invest in that. So, Father, as we, we transition into this time of invitation, just speak to our hearts and lead us in the direction you want us to go, that we would be obedient to you as your follower. In your son's name we pray. Amen.